Hey, pop leaders, I want to start this episode by just taking a moment of silence in recognition of the horrific events that happened in the United States over this past weekend, the uh, mass shootings in El Paso, Texas, also in Dayton, Ohio. I want to send my prayers and my love and concern out to uh, the people who lost family members, children, parents. It's just a really sad thing. And with this being a leadership podcast, uh, I hope that the people who are leaders of this country, who have the ability and the influence to impact change, to uh, create some type of law or legislation that will allow us to be able to frequent the places that we like to frequent on an everyday basis with security and safety. I can't imagine not being able to go out to dinner with my wife or not be able to go grocery shopping at Walmart without fearing or concern for my life. And I don't want to make this a political event. It's a it's a human event. It's something that regardless of what side of the aisle you stand on, I think it's important to acknowledge that this country has an issue. I saw that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I think is amazing, posts about the the numbers of deaths impacted by mass shootings versus the numbers of death of other things that have become fortunately or unfortunately more common, uh, such as the flu. And I think that we get to uh, a dangerous place in this country as humans, but definitely as leaders when we're only looking at the numbers. And you've run into this at work. I run into this at work where you have certain leaders who only care about the numbers and they don't necessarily care as much about the human element of things. And the human element of things is something that's a little less uh, tangible, but palpable when you're around it, if that makes any sense. You may not be able to quantify it in data, but you can feel it and you can see the effects of it. A good example would be, you know, we always have a conversation around changing things and we look at the metrics and is it going to impact this KPI or that KPI? But one KPI we don't always look at is the KPI of morale. Everything can be set up perfectly. All the right systems can be in place. All the right assistance, the training, the resources could all be there. But if people can't get it right mentally to have the right morale around them and within them, to execute on the job and the tasks that they need to execute on, then it's for nothing. And you can't always see morale directly stated in numbers or in facts. So I just want to say that thoughts and prayers are not enough. Uh, We believe in thoughts and prayers, but we also believe in action. We also believe in works. We believe that we need to, you know, put pen to paper and figure out how we can protect the safety of this country from all attacks, but definitely the attacks that are happening domestically with domestic terrorism. So I want to start off this episode with just a moment of silence for those that we lost over this past weekend. All right, let's start the show. 
What's up, popular leaders? Thank you so much for joining the Popular Leadership Podcast, where we look at what pop culture can teach us about leadership. I'm your host, Tony R. Sandys. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yet another week, yet another episode of Popular Leadership. I want to say thank you for the response to the last episode when we talked about Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. That was really, really fun to see you guys uh, engage with that on YouTube. And matter of fact, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, I want to make sure that we're doing something uh, a little bit different for you guys. I want to interact with the people that are watching it. I see way more views than comments, and I appreciate I appreciate the views, but I also want to engage in this pop leadership community. I want to make sure that I am there as a resource for you, and even just as someone to continue the conversation with. I, I toyed around with the idea of having a popular leadership afterthoughts podcast because Every time I record one of these, I pick a subject and then I talk about it and then it starts a conversation with my, my friend group. Let's be honest, we're a brand new podcast. So the most the majority of you watching this, you, you're watching it because we know each other personally or maybe I sent you the link. But every time we have these great conversations about, hey, you know what else was cool about Rocky or hey, you know what else is cool about Cardi or 2 Chains or whoever. I love that. And so continue to uh, watch the videos, but also comment and even put a timestamp. If there's something that I said in this episode or in the last episode that you feel is going to help you with your everyday life, let me know. My ultimate goal is to give you practical leadership principles pulled from pop culture, but that you can use in your everyday life and you can use it in the office to get a promotion or to become a better leader, to uh, create a more cohesive culture with your team. That's what my goal and my intentions are with this podcast. And so if I'm helping you in that way, please let me know. I want to make sure that my message uh, is having the meaning and the impact that I intend for it to have. And so with that being said, I want to get into our subject today. This week in popular leadership, we are going to highlight the pop superstar, the icon, the hip hop artist, the musician, the Canadian Drizzy Drake, a.k.a. Aubrey Drake. Graham. This week, we're going to talk about Drake. Now, Drake is an interesting one because he's very polarizing. It's some people that you either really love Drake or you don't like him at all. You think he's a fraud. You think he doesn't write his own music. You think he's not as talented as people say he is. You think he's overrated. And so whatever you think about Drake, there is no question that he's been successful. And there's no question that there's leadership principles that we can pull from his success that will help us in our everyday life. So with that being said, you know what we have to do first. You know what we have to do. We have to look at Drake by the numbers. Let's check out the numbers. All right, so looking at Drake by the numbers, Drake is the highest digital single selling artist ever. Just just think about that for a second. Wrap your mind around Drake being the highest digital singles selling artists ever. He sold over 142 million singles. This is not his album. This is just one song that people really, really love. And Drake is really, really good for that. Every summer, we look for Drake to have the song of the summer. Whether it's a song that he's featured on or a song that he created himself, Drake is amazing for giving you those moments in one song that will live and live and live. So think about an artist, your favorite artist, Think about them selling and streaming digital singles and know that somewhere on the hierarchy, Drake is higher than them. That's just crazy. That's something that you could 
take home, you know, and, and no one can take that away from you, right? Even if later in life somebody else will surpass him, which I'm sure they will, it's really cool to be able to hold that title and just say, I was the best that ever do it. Uh, so that's really good. He has songs, seven songs that are three times platinum. Like I, I see artists all the time that hope that their song goes gold. He has seven songs that have gone triple platinum. I think that's crazy. He's been nominated for a Grammy 42 times. 42 Grammy nominations. Like, that's just crazy. As an artist and as a songwriter, 42 Grammy nominations. I think that's crazy. And his net worth is $150 million. $150 million. Not too bad, right? Not too bad. So that's Drake by the numbers. And again, I always like to go over the numbers with you because it proves in some way, shape, or form that what he's doing is successful, right? We want to learn from people that we would like to have similar results. Even if it's in a different discipline, in a different lane, maybe you don't want to be a hip-hop artist, but you want to at least see that someone is being successful. And those success principles, whether it's uh, the field that you want to be successful in or not, you can pull from those principles to be able to apply them to your everyday life. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn from Drake from Aubrey Drake Graham about leadership principles. Right now, before we move on to the leadership principles, if you are watching this on YouTube, drop in the comments for me your favorite Drake song. I want to hear your favorite Drake song. It could be all the way from comeback season to the care package that he just dropped over the weekend. What is your favorite Drake song? All right, let's get into the leadership principles we can learn from Drake. Okay, leadership principle number one, learn to reinvent yourself. Drake has done an amazing job reshaping his brand, reshaping his rapping ability and his delivery, and reshaping his entire packaging as he rolls out content to the world based on the time and era that we're in. This is someone who started out as an actor on Degrassi. He started out playing wheelchair, wheelchair Jimmy on Degrassi way back in the day on Nickelodeon. And he's evolved into one of the best rappers of our generation. And each step of the way, he's done a great job of presenting himself and packaging himself in a way that was appropriate for the time. When it was uh, the mixtape era and you were, uh, if you were a hip hop artist, all you were doing was taking other people's songs and remixing them and putting your own spin, your own flair on them. I remember he did that with Kanye's album, 808 and Heartbreaks, and that draw, drew a lot of attention, right? And then hip-hop got more sing-songy and more R&B choruses with rap hooks. And so Drake did a great job of developing his singing skills so that eventually he could sing an entire song and not need any features. I don't know if you remember this, but when Drake first came out, um, he would rap the majority of the time, and Trey songs would sing on the majority of the songs as a chorus. And then eventually Drake started to learn how he could present himself in that time. And then he went on to be one of the most prolific writers when it comes to writing his own music. And I know there's some controversy and debate there, but you can't convince me that Drake doesn't write his own music. Uh, but just delivering the wordplay and the excellence that he delivers on songs, you know, track in and track out, album here and album there, He's been able to reinvent himself and present himself and keep up with the industry. Even this weekend, 
He was able to take all of his old songs that people love that didn't get a proper release, didn't get uh, a proper rollout, but he still documented them. And we'll talk about late, that later in our next leadership principle. He still doc, documented them and packaged them, repackaged them in a way that he could present it to you today that's appropriate for this time. The way that this shows up at work is this. It's heartbreaking for me. It's heartbreaking for me to see people who have had success at a job, in an industry, in a marketplace, at a business, and then not be able to adapt and adjust when the market turns. One thing that's going to be constant about whatever job you work at is change. It's not just your place. <laughs> I remember working at a company and people were always complaining about change. And like, oh my gosh, we change every two seconds and we change so fast and we move so fast. It wasn't just at that place. Every company that I worked at is changing really fast. I'll take that back. I worked at one company that didn't do well and change. And you know what they had to do? They had to lay off 1,500 employees nationwide. If you don't adapt, you die. You remember this company? You may remember. I don't know. It's called Blockbuster. I remember driving from my house to go get a Blockbuster DVD or a VHS and bring it back home to watch a movie. And then there's a company that came by called Netflix and said, you know, we can do this more conveniently. Instead of you coming to us, you just go on our website, you fill out this form, you tell us what DVDs you'd like sent to your home, and we'd mail them to you with a prepaid envelope for you to mail them back whenever you're ready. No late fees. And I remember getting that red envelope with Netflix in the mail with the DVDs of some of my favorite movies and TV shows, and it says no late fees ever. And that was really cool. That was innovative. It disrupted the market. It was perfect for that time. And then, to Blockbuster's credit, they did try to evolve. They did try to reinvent themselves, but they never fully committed. They started the same thing where they got away with late fees and they got a website up where you can go and uh, ask for movie titles and they will mail them to your home. And they kind of you know, mimic the model of Netflix, but Netflix had a bigger vision. They knew where technology was going and they knew that they can continue to reinvent themselves for each evolution of technology. So then it was, how about instead of us sending the movies to you and you never sending them back to us or maybe sending them back whenever you're ready, how about we just making them available to you? We see that the computer is becoming the new TV. We see that people are watching things on their phones and on their tablets more so than they are on their TV. So how about we just make them available for streaming? And Blockbuster couldn't make that evolution for whatever reason. I wasn't inside the offices, but I can see from the outside looking in, they failed to effectively reinvent themselves. And you see those people every day. They've been with the company for 10, 15, 20 years, and they've had their run at being uh, this position or holding this title. And then the business just passed them by. They weren't able to reinvent themselves and figure out what does the business need from me in this moment. I've seen people leave organizations because the organization needs to pivot for business reasons, right? And now we need to do things differently. And they're just unwilling to do things differently. And I think that the leaders that are most successful can learn how to do different things in different environments, especially if you're a young leader. You have to take a shot at being willing to learn something new. Learning something new is only going to make you more diverse. You don't need to continue to learn what you already know. You're already good at those things. You, you, you're already on a path to mastering those things. But you don't want to be a one-trick pony. You don't want to be the person, the guy or the girl 
that is only known for one thing when it comes to all the functions and all the faculties of your role. You want to be well diverse. You want to be able to uh, operate well in this type of environment using these types of skills, but also just deploy your skills and gifts and abilities in other areas. And I think that Drake has done that probably better than anyone. I think he has been at the forefront of reinventing himself, even from album to album, right? When there's a new style, when there's a new rap cadence or a new type of production, you can hear it on a Drake album. You can hear him reinventing himself and also delivering it with a level of excellence as if he's done it all along. So that's another leadership principle that we can learn from Drake. Learn to reinvent yourself. All right, leadership principle number two, document your work. It's so crazy to me that more people don't document their work. And what I mean by this is you could document it through a blog, through a vlog, through a portfolio if you're a designer, through case studies. Document the work that you're doing every day. Drake has done a good job of creating music and documenting it over time. And like I mentioned before, this weekend, he released what he's calling a care package, and kind of the subtitle was Our Favorite Moments All in One Spot. He's taken these documentations of where he was in life, and you can almost harken back to where you were at that stage in life when you first heard these records, but then he's reshaped them, remastered them, and repackaged them to put it out in an environment today that makes sense. Think about you documenting the work that you do every day. When you get information from a stakeholder and you work through a problem solving strategy and you come up with the solution and you implement that solution and that solution becomes a success, the strategy that you use, the, the thinking, the brain power that you went into that shouldn't go to waste. It should be something that you can keep and retain its value to deploy later. That's essentially what a resume is, but now we can do it in a more effective way. We can document our, way, our work in a way more effective way than just a resume. There's one thing when you can hand someone a piece of paper saying, hey, here's what I've done, right? Here's what I'm capable of doing. And then there's another thing when you can hand someone your portfolio, your documentation of your work saying, hey, here's the work that I'm capable of. Here's what I can actually deliver. Here are the results that I've actually had in the path and it's tangible and you can see it. I think that it's critically important that no matter what job you're in, you should document your work. Now, it does come with some challenges, right? Some of the things that you're doing from you know, a, a technical writing standpoint or even a content delivery standpoint or a, a coaching standpoint, maybe you can't divulge all the details of what you're doing because of confidentiality reasons. Check this out. Take the same principles and the same uh, results and take out the, the parts that are confidential, right? You don't have to use specific names or specific uh, processes that you use in order to still document the work that you've done and use that as your intellectual property in a sense to uh, package and maybe represent later at a different time to give you more leverage in the marketplace, whether that be in pursuing another job or a business or just uh, from a content perspective. I love when I listen to Gary Vee and he talks about this future world where videos like these will live in a virtual reality or augmented reality world. So maybe you're watching this on YouTube today, but in 20 years from now, I'm in your living room giving you these leadership principles 
and you could see me in a in a virtual reality world right there in front of you. Maybe I'm sitting down having a cup of coffee with you, right? Maybe we're sitting down having a cup of coffee uh, through the intellectual properties of this video deployed in a different manner 20 years in the future. And I have that advantage for me to not have to recreate things for the future, but maybe repurpose them for the future because I've documented along the way. Another thing of documentation that's really, really good is just for reflection. I'm sure that a lot of people had the experience of listening to the Drake album of really old songs, a new album of old songs, just reflecting on how far he's come, how much better he's gotten as a writer, as a rapper, even as a singer. It also took you back just a bit of nostalgia of you know what you were doing at that time and your experiences at that time. Nostalgia is one of the most valuable things in our entertainment society today. If you look at the movies that people are putting out, there's very few original thought, original idea movies. You know, we just had a weekend where Hobbs and Shaw came out, which is another Fast and the Furious spinoff. We also had weekends where Lion King and another Toy Story and the Dumbo, like these storylines that we've seen all over and over. But guess who benefits from those the most? The people who have kept great documentation of creating those works and own the intellectual property that can continue to repackage these stories over and over. You think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Think about the people that have documented that work. Think about if someone drew up that original Spider-Man and said, ah, oh, no, nah, this is crap. I'm just going to throw it out. Keep that documentation. There could be more there that you can use in the future when times have changed, when technology has changed, when the landscape of the industry has changed. So always document your work, keep your intellectual property, and wait for a time where you can use it yet again to, I don't know, maybe even make some money from it. All right, last but not least, our third leadership principle. It's simple, it's one word, three letters, and that is win. Period. That's it. Just win. And here's what I mean. Here's how I define winning. I have to define this very clearly because I am ultra competitive. I'm competitive beyond belief. I won't even go into the details of how competitive I am. But we have to clearly define winning. And winning is delivering excellence consistently. Delivering excellence consistency consistently. Now, for some of you, you guys work in an industry where there's a clear line between the winners and the losers, right? There's uh, some type of trophy, some type of prize at the end, whether that's a bonus or, you know, some type of weekly or quarterly salesman of, uh, of the month type of deal where you can clearly say that you won. The, the rest of us work in an environment where there's no off season, right? We're on every single day and every single day we have to deliver excellence at a high level. And that's what Drake has done for the majority of his career. He has done a great job since, you know, 2007, 8, and 9 when his debut album came out of delivering excellence. Whether it's on a feature verse, whether it's on a song, an album, whatever he's been a part of, he's done a great job of delivering excellence. And here's why this is so important. Number one, it's important because you always want to do your best, right? You always want to put your best foot forward. I think that's a given. But number two is when you're a leader and when you're operating in a business, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some losses. It's just a part of the game. If you're not uh, failing, you're not trying, right? You've heard that saying before. 
So you're going to have some losses. Here's what helps you through the losses. Number one, you have to learn from your losses. But number two, you have to continue to win. It's a funny thing that happens when you win. When you win, people are more forgiving towards your losses. In fact, when you win, people start to forget about your losses. There's been some times in Drake's career where he's hit some bumps in the road, where people question his artistry, when people question his ability to create music, when people question his ability to write music. There's been times where people we've seen recently last summer question his integrity and his personal life and his family life and some of the things that he may or may not be willing to share. And I will say the way that he's come out of those situations actually makes him look better than before he went in. He always comes out stronger because he finds a way to consistently deliver excellence. He finds a way to win. And so think about that in your career. I was talking to a leader a couple of weeks ago, and they were looking at making a slight transition in their career because they're working in a certain discipline right now that is maybe not working out for them in the way that they thought it would, right? In the way that it, it should work out for them. And the only thing that was keeping them there is that they didn't want to be looked at as a loser. They didn't want their legacy to be, he's a loser, right? He failed, he didn't get it done. The advice that I gave to them and the same advice I would give to you, you'll only be stable, uh, you'll only be labeled and stable a, a loser if you don't continue to win after it, right? If you just bow out and say, you know what, I'm done, I lost, I suck, I can't do this anymore, then yes, maybe your legacy will be stained by that loss. But if you go back to the discipline that you love and you start operating in an arena that you love and you start to win, you start to create this crazy momentum and all of a sudden people see those victories stacking up and those losses don't matter as much. And when you think about Drake's career so far, when you think about the totality of everything that he's done, the wins stand so much taller and so much bigger than the losses. And so think about in your career how you bounce back from those losses and how you continue to win. When you win, people don't care as much about those losses. All right, that's all I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Popular Leadership. Make sure you visit our Facebook group and join us there. We have daily conversations about leaderships. That is the goal. That is the intent. Make sure you drop a, a comment on this video if you're watching this on YouTube. And always remember, the moral of the story is this. Leadership is everywhere. You just have to keep your mind focused, your eyes peeled, your heart open, and watch for the pop. I'll see you guys next week.